You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for this uh, third episode in the Real Antichrist series. And I thank you, Father, that this message is going out unhindered and unchecked from any outside force. And any person, Father, who uh, you have destined to listen to this message, I just declare in Jesus' name that they are hearing it, Father, and they're hearing it at the exact moment that they need to hear it. I thank you, Father, that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And I thank you, Father, that you are raising up laborers in this tribe, Father. You are raising up people who listen to this this podcast and who follow me, Father, who are ready to go, Father. They are ready to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom, to declare that the kingdom of God is at hand. And they are here uh, ready, Father, to, to, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the leper, to cast out devils, Father, to preach the kingdom with signs and and wonders following. I thank you, Father, that the Antichrist has nothing. (laughs) That Antichrist spirit has nothing on the spirit of Jesus, uh, the spirit of life that is in Christ. I thank you that the same very spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And so it has nothing on us, Father. I thank you that everywhere the sole of our foot shall tread, that is the land that you've given us, Father. And I declare that that's all the land, Father, that Jesus has reconciled everything to himself. He's the lawful owner of all things. And so everywhere we go, Father, we are uh, taking ground, Father. We are taking back uh, the ground that the enemy has stolen in our lives, Father. We are absolutely releasing the kingdom and we are declaring, Father, that whatsoever has been bound in heaven is now being uh, bound on earth and whatsoever has been loosed in heaven is being loosed on the earth, Father, because it's already been bound. It's already been loosed in heaven. So we just um, declare, Father, that as people listen to this uh, podcast today, Father, clarity is going to come. Revelation is going to come. Uh, boldness is going to come. People are going to rise up in their rightful uh, authority in Jesus. They're going to sit down in heavenly places in Christ, and they are going to uh, see the, the miraculous power of God flowing through them, Father. Uh, because the Holy Spirit is in them and Jesus is in them and Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And as he is, so are we in this world because we're one with him. So I bless this podcast. I call forth every person, Father, that's uh, supposed to hear it. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, awesome, you guys. I am excited about today's podcast because we are going to dive into some really good news. And I believe that you're gonna be fired up as a result of it. I am uh, coming off of a really supernatural week. Um, It was a a crazy week in the sense that uh, there was uh, one of our team members uh, unexpectedly went to be with Jesus. And I had the opportunity to pray for them to be raised from the dead. And I can tell you, um, that her name is Kristen and she's amazing. She was part of one of our RMR facilitators and um, she just was a light to everyone that ever met her. Uh, she has led so many of our Emerge students and our, our tribe members into freedom through doing the prayer sessions that she did through our rapid mind renewal sessions. And she is dancing with Jesus right now. And uh, I am so grateful to have had her be a part of our lives. 
Uh, and I'm sharing this because, um, number one, just because I, I, you know, it's funny. I talk to people all the time that listen to my podcast and feel like, oh my gosh, I feel like I know you because I listen to you on, on your podcast. And the reason I think that people feel that way is because I, I share my journey, right? I, I'm pretty transparent about what's going on in my life and the, and the things that, um, uh, you know, that I go through in hopes that it will encourage you and that you can relate to that and know that we're all in the process of being transfigured. And I am a fellow sojourner with you on this journey. And that just because I'm the one doing the podcast or I'm the leader or I'm the teacher doesn't mean that I'm not in process myself. And so I, I try to be really vulnerable. I try to share authentically about what's going on in my life. And so I share that with you guys because last week was, as I said, a very supernatural week. It was a hard week, right? I, um, when you are standing for someone to be healed or you are, uh, you have uh, you know someone goes to be with the Lord they pass over to the other side they 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 go to heaven but you know it's premature you know that um, it was not their time then you know it's also hard it's hard for those of us that are left behind but I'm sharing that this morning because I've been in the ministry of, of healing for over two decades and I have seen the most phenomenal things. In fact, in the last week, I've seen deaf ears opened. I've seen pain leave people's bodies. I've seen signs and wonders um, just as I do every week. Uh, but on Monday, uh, as we were declaring for Kristen to be raised from the dead, she didn't come back. And it was very crazy because she was in the, the ER and the power of God was so strong in that room. Uh, in fact, her whole body heated up. Uh, it you know it, it's like her hands were hot. We just kept thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to have a pulse here any moment. But I, I'm sharing that because when you're on the front lines and you are praying for the miracle-working power of Jesus to manifest, uh, and you are really preaching the gospel to sickness, you're preaching the gospel to death, you're preaching the gospel to whatever a fig tree, to a storm. You're basically declaring the victory of Jesus over the situation. Anything that's not uh, like Jesus, anything that's not in heaven, uh, you know, it's like you enter into this realm where the veil between heaven and the earth is just non-existent. It's a very non-existent. It's a very surreal experience. And honestly, after being in the healing ministry for over two years, I can tell you that when you're on the front lines and you are uh, advancing the kingdom and preaching the gospel that way, it does something to you. And when you don't see something manifest and you know that you're close or you know that it's working, but something doesn't, um, it just doesn't go the way that you expect it to go. You have a choice. You have a choice. And what do you do with that? Do you, do you dummy down the gospel? Uh, do you, uh, cause your experience to be the truth? Or do you, like I do, have you learned to get fired up and, you know, use every situation when you're confronting the kingdom of darkness and you're confronting sin and death and uh, sickness and, and lack and all of the things that are not in heaven? Do you use that to actually motivate you and fire you up? And truthfully, guys, I've been doing this long enough that I just get fired up. I mean, I left that ER room uh, where Kristen didn't get up and I'm like laying hands on people in the ER and seeing the power of God move. And so I'm fired up this week. I don't think uh, it's a coincidence that um, I actually had just taught on signs and wonders at a church on Sunday uh, when Kristen passed away on Sunday night. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm right here in the middle of a series called The Real Antichrist when um, that attack came. 
And so I just am going to go full board today and just tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth as much as I know to say it. Um, I've been praying for uh, several months for humble boldness, for meekness, in other words, to uh, to be very bold in what I share, but also um, to just you know operate in the humility of the Holy Spirit, dependent upon the Holy Spirit um, in everything that I do. And so I'm not exactly sure how it's going to come out today, um, but that's kind of my <clears throat> precursor to sharing today's message so that you kind of see where I'm coming from and know why I'm so fired up. <laughs> so let's jump off into the content for today. So I want to go back to the scriptures that we have been talking about um, where the Apostle John in 1 John mentions the Antichrist. And as you recall in previous episodes, I've talked about the fact that these are the only two scriptures in scripture in the Bible where the term Antichrist is mentioned. Now, if you search on the word Antichrist on Google, you're going to get other Bible passages that will act like or just that people will say are referring to the Antichrist. Really, uh, the end times theology around the Antichrist has you know brought in interpretations of Matthew 28. It's brought in scriptures from Daniel, and it's it's basically inserted the Antichrist into additional scriptures. But I just want to be very clear that there's only two places in the scripture where the term Antichrist is mentioned. I am not going to go into a whole uh, teaching on eschatology and. Uh, my goodness, the error that the body of Christ has believed about uh, in times and about the rise of the Antichrist and a bunch of a bunch of really depressing, powerless eschatology that that empowers a disempowered devil. Uh, I'm not going to go into that today. I really want to focus on my assignment. But I do want to encourage you to question the um, the narrative that we've been taught about a devil that becomes more powerful and more powerful and more powerful as time comes on, rather than recognizing that of the increase of Jesus's government, there will be no end, that there is that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's why I took time in the episode in, in part two to dive into the scriptures about the victory of Jesus and how he, all power and all authority have been given unto him and that he is seated far of the powers and principalities and rulers of darkness and given a name above every name that that Jesus Christ is truly Lord, that the victory, when he said it is finished, it is actually finished, that the, the powers and principalities uh, that... Um, that, that attempt to exalt themselves against Jesus have been disarmed. They've been dis, uh, uh, completely destroyed. When I say that, I mean that they don't have any more power. They don't have any more authority because it all belongs to Jesus. And those are Jesus's words. Again, listen to part two if you want to hear more about that. But today I want to go into um, how the Antichrist spirit actually um, operates against God's victorious church, against his body, against those of us that are seated in heavenly places in Christ, also seated far above powers and principalities and rulers of the age. And, and I want to talk about what it looks like. So let's start in 1 John 2, 18 through 22 today. And this is the apostle 
John warning against the Antichrist. And here's what he says in in verse 18. Now, remember, when I read this and he talks about the last hour, I also covered this in episode one. So if you haven't listened to episode one, you need to go back and listen to that. This series is building, you know, every on each episode. So I'm not going to reteach the things that I've covered in previous episodes every single time. But here's what verse 18 says. It says, children is the last hour. And I want to just, again, mention here that when we read about the last hour, most of us think about it being the end times in terms of it being the apocalypse, being the, you know, the return of Christ, that Christ is coming soon. But in scripture, when uh, New Testament authors referred to the last hour, they were referring to the last hour of the old covenant. They were referring to the last hour of uh, the sacrificial system being in operation. If you were, and if you are uh, informed about this, you'll know that the temple was completely destroyed in 70 AD and that the, the age that is uh, referred to in scripture, the end of the the age is the end of the old covenant. It's the end of the sacrificial system. Why? Because it was exalting itself against Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law. He was the sacrifice. He was uh, the, the, the final atonement of the sins of the world. And so we just need to remove some of our Uh, gosh, the lenses that we have read scripture through because of the teaching that we have received about eschatology. So let me just say that, go back, listen to episode one, go back and listen to episode two if you want more information about that. So in verse 18, it says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming and now many Antichrists have come. Okay, so it says, that there's already been antichrist, right? And this is back in uh, the apostle John's time, okay? He says, therefore, we know that it is the last hour. He says, let me just, this is in the ESV. I'll, I'll just continue reading. It says, they went out from us, okay? They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. So he's talking about particular doctrines and people that taught particular doctrines and that the doctrines themselves and the teaching of these antichrists were antichrist. And so then he begins to talk about these doctrines and talk about what was actually antichrist. In verse 20, he says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. In verse 21, it says, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Verse 22, it says, who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Okay, so the Antichrist spirit. This is the spirit of error. It is the spirit that denies the incarnation of Jesus. It's the spirit that denies Jesus is the son of God. And it is the spirit that is anti the anointing of God, anti the move of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And that spirit opposes the gospel, the preaching of the true gospel. So let me go over now to uh, Matthew 16. And I want to kind of highlight this in the ministry of Jesus. And in Matthew 16, 
this is the passage where Jesus begins to ask, who do men say that I am? Right? So he's asking, are people uh, declaring that I am the Messiah? Are people uh, declaring that Jesus is the Christ? Okay, let me just see here. Remember, the liar denies that Jesus is the Christ. That's verse 22 in 1 John 2. So the accuser of the brethren denies that Jesus is the Christ. So anything that denies Jesus is the Christ is the Antichrist. So back over to Matthew 16, he says this in verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Who do they say that I am? So verse 14, the disciples, this is what they said. It says, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, right? So people had all kinds of ideas about who Jesus was. But here's what Simon Peter says. He says to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now here's Jesus's response. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He says, and I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The gates of death. Hades is the realm of the dead, okay? Hades is a, a Greek term. Uh, it's not the, the concept of hell the way that we've been taught it. It's just the realm of the dead. I'm not going to go into that a lot today, but just bear with me. He says the gates of death. The gates of death will not prevail against it. Why? Because Jesus was going to submit to death. He was going to defeat death and rise again. The gates of death are not going to defeat this kingdom. In verse 19, it says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In the Amplified Version, it reads that whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been what is already loose, declared lawful, it says, um, declared permissible in heaven. Again, I'm not going to teach as much as I probably could on that right this moment. I'm going to keep reading. It says in verse 20, he commanded his disciples that he should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Okay, so there is a... Um, a, a battle for Jesus to be exalted as the Son of God. And there is a battle against the gospel of Jesus Christ and what that message actually is and how it comes. Because the kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in power. And the anointing of God is the power of God. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Acts, it says that in, um, I think it's in 10, 19, it's, I think that, um, anyway, I'm not going to go to the reference. You can, you can Google it and look it up, but it says that Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power and went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Okay. So the anointing of God is against the kingdom of darkness. It is about the advancement of the kingdom of God. 
And it was against Jesus and his earthly ministry to defeat the gates of Hades, to, to defeat death. So in verse 21, it says, now begin, now here, Jesus begins to predict his death and resurrection. So from that time, it says in verse 21, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He was, he must suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. It says, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And verse 22, Jesus, this is Jesus, he says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Okay, so right here we see a confrontation with Jesus and the and Satan, and we see it also in, in the wilderness when Jesus confronted Satan, right? And it's this confrontation with Satan and this doctrine or this 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 message that Jesus is not who he says he is, and in our case that he is not just not the Christ, but he is the life and the resurrection, that he is uh the, he is the one that has reconciled all things to himself, that he is the one that has all rule, all authority, all power, that that voice of doubt, that voice that was that was present in the garden that said, did God really say, right? It's this voice that opposes the mission and the, the, the advancement of the kingdom of God. Okay. I want to go to uh, Mark now. I want to go to Mark chapter 16. And this is the actual um, passage of scripture that I taught at, at the church on Sunday, two Sundays ago which I was talking about signs and wonders. And I just want to say it really plainly, okay? The Antichrist is anti-anointing, okay? The word Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. And so the Antichrist is against the anointing of God. It's against the power of God. It's against the resurrection power power to heal the sick, power to raise the dead, power to cast out devils, power to cleanse the lepers. Lepers. It is against the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's against the gifts of the Spirit. It's against signs and wonders. It's against the advancement of the kingdom with signs and wonders following. Okay, so let's just start reading here. Uh, I'm going to read on verse in verse nine. It says, now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, whom out of whom it says out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept because you guys, the disciples didn't have it. They didn't put it together yet. Right. Like even though Jesus was sharing that he was going to go to Jerusalem, suffer the suffer at the hands of the high priest and the scribes and suffer many things and then be raised from the dead. He had clearly told them that, but they didn't get it yet. They were still uh, they were mourning his death. Right. But Mary Magdalene said, she says, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, it says they didn't believe they didn't believe. In verse 12, it says, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest of the disciples, but they didn't believe him either. In verse 14, it says, later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief 
and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen, right? So let me talk about what the Antichrist is. The Antichrist is the God of this world who blinds the minds of those that don't believe the good news, that don't believe the gospel. He is a blinding spirit. It is a lying spirit. It is an anti-anointing spirit that comes to shut down the revelation of the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is risen, that he is alive, that he has all authority, that he has defeated death, that he has uh, been given a name above every name, that he is the pre eminent one, that nothing can defeat him, that nothing can oppose him, and that the gates of death do not prevail against his church because he is exalted. He is the Christ. He's greater than anything that the kingdom of darkness can throw at him or us. So he rebuked. He rebuked his disciples for their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they didn't believe those that had seen him after he had risen. They didn't believe the testimony of, of his resurrection. They didn't believe that he was the Christ, that he, that he did what he declared to them that he was going to do. He told them in Matthew 16, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to raise, be raised from the dead. So it's not like he was rebuking them because he hadn't, hadn't told them the truth. He was rebuking them because they didn't believe the truth. Okay. Now in verse 15, it says, this is the great commission. This is what he says to them. He says, go into the world and preach the gospel, preach the gospel of the kingdom. It doesn't say the gospel of the kingdom, but, but that was the gospel that Jesus preached, that the kingdom of heaven is here. It is now. Okay. <clears throat> he told his disciples in Luke chapter nine to uh, go and preach that the gospel of, of heaven, the gospel of kingdom is at hand. And then he said, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. You know, he said, freely you've received, freely give. So he was telling them, continue to do what you were doing. Go and preach the gospel. Go into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I think it's very interesting that he says every creature. Okay, why? Because creation is moaning and groaning for the sons of God. And so, yes, we preach the gospel to people, but we preach the gospel to fig trees. We preach the gospel to storms. We preach the gospel to lack. We preach the gospel to uh, sickness and disease. Creation is conscious. It is conscious of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, and it longs to be governed by the sons of God. So we preach the gospel to anything and everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord over all. Uh, and, and the reconciler of all, okay? It says, he who believes, what? The gospel, it says, and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not will be condemned. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name, in the name of Jesus Christ, right? They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so then after the Lord had spoken to them, it says he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them in some other translation, it says the Lord working through him, confirming the word, confirming what word, confirming the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel that Jesus has reconciled all things to himself, that God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself himself, 
that uh, Jesus is the uh, lawful owner of all things, that, that all power and all authority have been given unto him, that in him all things were created and all things exist, that he holds it all together by the word of his mighty power, that he is the express image of God, and that he uh, took on flesh and he became uh, flesh and blood because the children were flesh and blood, and he submitted himself to death. He became obedient unto death, that through his death he could defeat the, 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 the enemy, the one who had past tense the power of death and that he would be exalted as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And so he himself, the Lord, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ is in us. And as we go he and preach the gospel to all, to every creature, that signs and wonders are designed to follow us. And when the, that, that, um, that those signs and wonders actually confirm the word. They what word? The word of truth, the word of the gospel. It's And this is why, you guys, in January, when I did the prophetic word, and I said that the best is not yet to come, it's now, there was a glory cloud that showed up right when I said that word. Why? Because it was the Lord confirming the word with a sign. The gospel is designed to be preached with miraculous power. It's not meant to be reasoned out. It's not meant to be uh, intellectually, uh, uh, you know, debated. No, it's meant to come with power. The kingdom of God comes with power. So let's talk about how the Antichrist actually works against us, okay? The Antichrist is anti-Christ. It's anti the anointing. It's anti the preaching of the true gospel. It, it, and it, it, it comes with spirits of error. It comes with uh, wrong doctrine. And it comes with an opposing to the miraculous power of God. I tell people, and even when I preached uh, two Sundays ago, I said, and this is common, you guys. I talk to people all the time who have never experienced the miracle working power of God, <clears throat> been Christians their whole life. I mean, in my own life, I was in my 30s before I ever saw a miracle, even though I had been to church, I mean, goodness knows, thousands and thousands of times, grew up in church, was there every Sunday, was there every Wednesday, okay? Uh, I, I have people that I talk to constantly that are like, I've never seen a miracle, not in my whole life, that are in their 50s, that are in their 60s. Like, we have a an epidemic of powerlessness in the body of Christ. When I was preaching on that Sunday, I had people raise their hands and I said, how many of you have seen a miracle in the last seven days? Raise your hand. How many of you seen a miracle in the last 24 hours? Just a very few hands went up. I said, how many of you have seen a miracle in the last seven days? Just a few hands went up. I said, what about 30 days? A few hands. What about six months? What about a year? What about five years? What have you, how many have never seen a miracle, right? But yet we sit in church every Sunday, supposedly hearing the gospel. But where are the signs and wonders, right? That is the job of the Antichrist. It's to shut down the anointing and the power of of, of God, of Christ in the, it's the body of Christ. It's the body of the anointed one and his anointing. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. So when Jesus talked about us preaching the gospel, he was talking about us doing it with, with, with signs and wonders following. Now, if you have been in the charismatic movement for any amount of time, which is where I <clears throat> began to get exposed to signs and wonders in my 30s, right? I had grown up Baptist. 
Then I had been Presbyterian. I had been taught that, you know, uh, fivefold ministry passed away uh, when when scripture was canonized, that signs and wonders for the days of the apostles in the Bible, that those that God didn't really do that anymore. I mean, we believed in the devil, which is interesting, but we didn't really believe in the power of God against the devil. Uh, we were very afraid of the devil. Um, which is very weird. I mean, you know, I had a Pentecostal grandmother and my mother actually had experienced the healing power of God. So even though we were Baptist, I was also exposed to, to the power of God as well. Um, but it really wasn't until my 30s that I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. I began to speak in tongues. Um, again, I had really bad teaching about that. I thought, you know, maybe it was just for a few people like my grandmother, right? And it was weird. And so I didn't really know, I didn't have understanding about that. I didn't understand the power of our tongue. I didn't understand that death and life are not in the power of cancer, that it's in the power of our, of our own agreement. I didn't know um, that all things were actually possible if you believe. I mean, I just, there was so much I didn't know in my 30s. But when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I began to experience the miracle power of God. I personally needed a miracle. I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And it's pretty interesting that here I was, you know, in need of my own miracle. And God sent me to a nursing home to actually lead a Bible study, which I had never done before. He kind of tricked me into it because I probably would have never agreed to it if I knew that's what I was going to do there. But pretty soon I sat there in this, this nursing home and realized these people didn't need a Bible study. They needed a miracle. I'm not saying Bible study is wrong, but they needed more than a Bible study. They needed Jesus Christ to actually be alive. They needed Jesus Christ to actually be real. They needed Jesus Christ to show up in that nursing home like he would have if he was actually still here and never had died and been resurrected. But Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. And so I'm just... What am I trying to say? Like, man, because I guess I had rebelled against against that version of the gospel as a teenager, even though I had grown in church. I mean, I really left church in my teens. I I I I knew that there was something off. And I I also couldn't follow all the rules, right? So I couldn't be a good Christian. I no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't when I read the Bible, it just told me all the things that I wasn't. I didn't know about my true identity in Christ. I didn't know about the righteousness of God that 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 was now my true identity through my union with Jesus. I never heard about being one with Jesus or or being holy and blameless and whole healed and whole, none of those things. So it wasn't until my 30s that I started to kind of detox from all of that stuff and started to experience the miracle power, miracle working power of God. And, and honestly, because I had been through so much nonsense and I was really done with religion, right? When I'm sitting here with these people in this nursing home, I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Like reading these scriptures about Jesus's miracles. And yet we're sitting here like, I don't know, Jesus isn't alive. And I was just that bold and maybe that, I don't know, you want to call it rebellious? I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of leaders that would say, you know, just sit down, be quiet and sing your hymn. But I just, I was done. And so I said, Holy Spirit, these people need a miracle. So you've got to teach me because Jesus is actually alive. I met him. I had an encounter with him. So what do we do? So they sent me to a, sent me to a, uh, he sent me, led me to a bookstore that had a whole shelf on shelf on healing. I didn't know which book to get, but it was a crazy because there was one book on the bookshelf that was by Charles and Francis Hunter. This is a, a, a good uh, lesson for people that are writing a book. Make sure that you have a, the right title to your book so that your, your intended reader can find you because this book was entitled How to Heal the Sick. I'm like, 
Okay, well, that's what I need to know. And I began to devour this material. And it wasn't just a book, but it was a video series that was done by Charles and Francis Hunter. And they taught you how to heal the sick like you learn to drive a car. Like it was, you know, just practical, practical, practical on how to how to operate the miracle working power of God. And what did I do? I just started practicing. I would I would watch those videos, I would read the book, and then I would go to the nursing home and I would practice what I learned. And guess what started to happen? Signs and wonders started to follow me. And you know, I'm going to do the next series that I'm going to do. You guys we will have some guest speakers in between this before it launches and stuff. But I'm going to do my next series is going to be called Miracle School because, um, again, after the loss of Kristen, although she's not a loss, she's it's a gain for her. It's a loss for my tribe. It's a loss for our, our company. It's a loss for our mergers. It's a loss for the people that would have gotten ministry from her here. But it's a gain for her. Uh, if the book is called How to Heal the Sick, uh, is for those of you that want to know. Um, but I'm going to do a podcast on Miracle School, and I'm going to begin to teach these things um, so that the body of Christ does not sit back and just not live this, right? We need the power of God. But really, I'm not teaching so much on signs and wonders right now as I'm teaching on the Antichrist. But I'm sharing that so that you know this that when you start to learn your authority, when you start to learn your identity, and when you start to go for it and preach the gospel with signs and wonders following, that is when you will encounter the Antichrist, okay? The Antichrist is the voice of doubt, okay? It is the same voice that told Adam and Eve in the garden, did God really say? Okay, it is the voice that doubts the gospel. It's the voice that doubts that Jesus really does have all authority, that Jesus does have all power. It's the voice that forms doctrines around failure, right? So that when we don't see the miracle working power of God, when it doesn't work, right? It, it, it causes us to get offended with God and, and think that God cherry picks who he's healing and who he's not healing. And we, we think that God allows all of these things rather than recognizing that he's working with us. He's working through us and that signs and wonders and miracles follow us. They are done through his body and that we these signs follow us as we believe. And what causes belief not to work? Well, there's two things. The voice of doubt, the voice that isn't the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a couple of reasons why things don't work, right? They don't work because we're not hearing God and they don't work because of doubt. So I, there's so much I'm going to be saying about this when we do uh, the next series. But right now, what I want to go to is this voice of the Antichrist. I want to focus in on the voice of doubt uh, and, and how it shows up when we are standing, when we are not just standing, when we are moving, when we are confronting the kingdom of darkness, when we are commanding sickness to bow, when we are commanding lack to bow, when we are speaking to storms, speaking to the mountains, when we are speaking. Why? Because death and life are in the power of our tongue. And in James uh, chapter four, it says, if none of us offend, if you don't offend in speech, you're able to control your entire body, right? I mean, the, the tongue is creative, you guys. We are recreated in Christ, created in the image of God to be creative. And when, it, you know, we speak words of life, we speak the truth, right? There's only two options here, truth and a lie. 
Okay, and, and the voice of doubt, the Antichrist comes to get our tongues, to get us in agreement with, with, with uh, a lie. Okay, so let's go over to Mark eleven twenty three, which, you know, if you've studied Kenny H Kenneth Hagin's ministry or, you know, been involved in anything that he's ever taught, you know, this was like the, his life verse, right? He spent his entire ministry and his entire life on this, ver on this verse. But let me go there to Mark eleven twenty three, and here's what it says. Um, okay. Um, and I, I'm going to read starting in verse 23, although in verse 22, it says this. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now, the thing that I want to say about verse 22 is that have faith in God is not an accurate translation. An accurate, an accurate translation of the Greek is have the faith of God, have God's faith. Okay, and there are many instances in our scripture where the, there's just some versions are not accurate. It's why I, I tell folks to get multiple versions of scripture, read the scriptures for yourself and, and do the study for yourself when you see that versions translate things differently because some of these scriptures are not translated accurately. But in verse 23, it says, for assuredly, so have the faith of God is what it says in 22 says, for assuredly, and I'm reading in the New King James Version right now, it says, I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. These are two extremely powerful scriptures. Okay, these scriptures tell us the principle of the power of our words. They also tell us what stops our words from moving mountains. And it says it here, it says, and does not doubt in his heart, right? So doubt stops the miracle working power of God. Doubt is the voice that came to Adam and Eve in the garden. And it is still the voice that will come when you are pursuing working with God and seeing the miracle working power of God manifest. Let me give you a couple of examples and how this works. Okay. So, uh, there was a woman who, uh, uh, a, a church was praying for and had stage four cancer, cervical cancer, and they were praying for her to be healed. They knew the gospel. They knew that Jesus Christ was Lord and that this cancer needed to bow. Right. And so I was at a conference with this, this, uh, the, the leader of this, uh, church and during worship, they this person had a vision. And in the vision, Jesus Christ came to this person and said to this leader, let her go. You're just prolonging her suffering. She's in so much pain. Let her go. Let her go. You're holding her here. Let her go. Now, I did not have that vision. The leader had this vision. And we went out to the parking lot after the conference. And, and he asked me, what do you think about this vision that I had? And as soon as I heard it, again, I've been in healing ministry for 20 years. There's not much, not much doubt I haven't heard, have not seen the enemy show up to stop the miracle working power of God. There's not much I haven't encountered because anytime it is working, anytime you are confronting something, the voice of doubt will come and it will come in lying visions. It will come in ways that exalt sickness, exalt disease, exalt pain, exalt death 
above of God, above God. It's almost like the body of Christ has looked to death as our savior instead of Jesus as our savior, meaning death is how we get to heaven. Like when we die, we get to heaven rather than realizing that heaven is now. So as soon as I heard that, I said, that was not Jesus. That was an angel of light. You give me one scriptural example where Jesus said, let someone suffer, let them die. Right. And there's none. There's none. Why? Because Jesus just said, raise the dead. Like he said, you know, preach the gospel. It was just a part one sentence. Right. Do this, this and this. And so I said, what that means is that what you're doing is working and the Antichrist spirit wants you to stop because it does not want the glory of God to be seen. It does not want the gospel to be preached. It does not want the testimony of Jesus to go forth. And so I said, so double down, you're working. It's working. And thank goodness they received that. And because that person is alive today, just celebrated their, I don't know, 40th, 50th anniversary in Greece because they doubled down instead of like submitting to that, right? We resist the devil. We submit to God and the enemy flees. I can say this, anytime you're raising for some, praying for someone to be raised from the dead, guess what's going to happen? All kinds of doubt is going to come. Do you want to know what the, the most frequent one that's going to come? Someone in the group that's praying for them to be raised from the dead is going to get a vision of that person in heaven and say, oh, this person doesn't want to come back. This person is with Jesus and they just want to stay in heaven. And again, I say, give me one scriptural example where, where that happened. It doesn't say raise the dead unless the person doesn't want to come back. Right. The authority is in the name of Jesus with human beings. Human beings are the greatest uh, threat to the kingdom of darkness. Why did why did why did the enemy come in the garden? Why did he want Adam and Eve? Why? Why does he want a body? Why do we cast devils out of bodies? Why? Because the human body is where the authority lies, because God gave authority to Adam and Eve to govern the earth, to replenish it, to expand the kingdom, to make it look like heaven. He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. That's why G the incarnation is so key. Jesus put on human flesh. Why? Because he came legally. He came legally into the earth and he stripped the enemy legally of the power of death by dying a sinless death. He was sinless. He was not, he, 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 he did not break the law. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus did not sin. And so he legally took back what Satan had legally taken. Satan legally took it. Now, granted, he lied. He deceived Eve, but he, Adam was not deceived. He ate and he gave the world to the enemy. God became, <coughs> excuse me, Satan became the God of this world. How? Because he stole the title from Adam, right? When Jesus confronted uh, the enemy in the wilderness, right? He was trying to get Jesus to do the same thing that Adam did. He said, bow down and worship me, right? But Jesus did not. He was tempted in every way, but without sin. And so he legally took it back. He legally took back the power of death, the power of sin. And now Jesus is a life-giving spirit. He, the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. It set us free from the curse. And so that voice of doubt it will always come to have you doubt the gospel, to doubt who Jesus is and in a million and one ways, right? Uh, oh my goodness, It'll, it's an accusing spirit. 
It is the spirit that will accuse God. It will accuse you. It, it, and and it's, its purpose is so that you don't know who you are, that you don't know who the gospel is, and you don't understand what Jesus Christ has done and who he is and who you are in him. It's anti-union. It's anti-miracles. It is anti the preaching of the gospel. And this spirit is not something that's going to arise in the future. This is something that battles the advancement of the kingdom of God now. And it, 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 it gets involved in the preaching of the gospel, in the glorification of Jesus. And it's a confrontation, not with you. It's not with you, right? When, 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 when Jesus addressed Peter, he didn't say, get behind me, Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. Right, it operates through people. It operates through our words. It operates through our beliefs. It operates through our agreement because human beings are the gate. We are the gate of heaven in the earth. Why? Because it's inside of us and it's released through our words. It's released through our thoughts. It's released through our, our choices and our yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. So the Antichrist, if you want to want to really just nail it down here and let me land the plane with this, is that the Antichrist is anti the miracle working power of God. And what I want to say and wrap as we wrap up here is that it's it's it, it, this is not about you condemning yourself because you've, you're doubting. OK, this is about you learning to test the spirits. OK, there's a, a whole thing that the Apostle John talks about in testing the spirits. Right. Let me just get there. Um, I didn't bring that scripture up. OK, it says this in First John 4, so 1 through 6. So let me go back over here to First John 4 and let's just wrap with this scripture and wrap this land this plane here. But in First John 4, it says this. Verse one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they have, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay. It doesn't mean that a person is like a false prophet. It means that, that any of us are subject to a vain imagination that we can get a, a word that is not from God and that that is a false prophet. That's a false prophecy. In verse two, it says, by this, you know, the spirit of God. This is how you know it's the spirit of God. Every spirit, I want to say this way, every voice, every voice that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Okay, so testing the spirit. Is it anti the anointing? Is it is it is it is it causing you to doubt that Jesus Christ is alive, that he's resurrected, that he has defeated sin and death, and that if he was here in the flesh right now in the room with you while you're praying for the sick, while you're casting out a devil, while you're raising the dead, that it would, there would be no problem. Of course it would manifest. The problem is we don't believe that Jesus is with us. There's a whole bunch here. Again, I'll teach on it. But the point is here that this is about Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, right? This is about who do men say that Jesus is? It's about 
Who do we believe that Jesus is? And the Antichrist spirit will always try to exalt itself against Jesus and get you to stop using his name and get you to stop speaking to the mountain and get you to stop rebuking the fever, getting you to stop commanding the money to manifest so that you can fulfill your destiny. It will get you to shut your mouth or it will get you to say the opposite. It will get you to agree with death, agree with lack, agree with sickness agree with the diagnosis that is the antichrist spirit it is the voice of a false prophet it is the voice that exalts itself it will give visions it will give dreams it will give you whatever you need to say and it will help it uses believers guys i mean you know it uses people it used peter here one minute he's saying jesus is the christ and the next thing he's opposing the plan of god and 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 it's it's not even two sentences, whatever, two paragraphs away, right? So it uses us. Why? Because we have a human human body and flesh is the most valuable thing. It's what Jesus came to redeem. It's why the resurrection matters. Why? Because flesh who is, is legal authority to operate in the seen realm. It's legal. It's legal. That's why the thief entered another way. As Jesus said, the good shepherd came in through the gate, came in through the gate of Mary, came in through a human being, came legally by Mary's permission, right? Whereas the enemy is a liar. He's a deceiver and he takes it through deception. And so the Antichrist is the false spirit. It is the false prophecy. And it always comes to get you to stop speaking to the mountain and to get you from stopping preaching the kingdom of God with signs and wonders following. So, whew, I said a lot, but I believe it was hot. I believe it was, in, was, was the fire of God. And so this is a message to listen to. I can tell you, uh, as I said at the beginning of this episode, every single time someone on my team or someone in our tribe uh, passes before their destiny is fulfilled. We mourn with those that mourn. We weep with those that weep. I am sad in the sense that I love my Kristen. I am going to miss her uh, while she is here, you know, not be not here with us in the flesh, but she is in a part of the great cloud of witnesses. Heaven is real. She is in paradise. She is dancing. She is rejoicing. And we do not have to grieve like the world. Jesus has borne our grief. And I use these, whatever you want to call them, losses, uh, to get fired up and go forth even with greater power. So in the coming weeks, we are going to be launching some things about signs and wonders. We're going to be launching some healing rooms or some things that are going to be coming down the pipe because the body of Christ has to get equipped. It is not okay with me. It's not okay with Jesus that we are not operating in signs and wonders. It's not okay that we are not seeing the miracle working power of God, uh, the way that Jesus would like us to see the miracle working power of God and like to work with us and like to work through us. And so I'm like, you know, let's go, let's go, Jesus. Um, we have work to do. We have work to do. So be looking for those announcements. And in the meantime, you guys put these, put these messages on repeat, look up these scriptures for yourself, do your own homework, start studying the, the signs and wonders of, of the Bible. And guys, by all means, join us here and Emerge. I know that I talk about this a lot on the podcast, but you guys, we are seeing signs and wonders on those calls every single week. We are seeing the power of God move and we are releasing sons and daughters into their purpose because the kingdom of God is advancing and we need to be in position. We don't need to be listening to the voice of mammon. We don't need to be listening to the voice of doubt. We need to believe the gospel. We need to repent. We need to renew our minds. We need to step into the transfiguration of the planet and we need to go. We need to go because there is a world that is lost and blinded and 
and in need, in need of the truth of who they are, and they need it uh, backed up with the power of God. So God bless you guys. I love you so much. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.